We continue in the third week of our sermon series, Finding Joy, with our sermon text from Philippians chapter 2. Please stand. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. You may be seated. If you could sit down and talk to God one-on-one and ask him, Hey God, What's the worst sin out there? What do you think you would say? Now, God, I know I've heard people say that uh, all sins are equal in your eyes, but between you and me, come on, which, which one's the worst? Is it murder? Is it something sexual? Is it hurting other people? What one is it? Now, I know that there isn't one Bible passage out there that says this sin is the absolute worst, so this topic could be up for debate. But do you know what I think? Do you know what I think if you talk to God and ask him what the worst sin is, what he would say? Throughout my reading of the Bible and throughout my studies of the Scripture, you know what I think God would say? I think he would say pride. Let me show you a couple Bible passages. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. The Lord detests, he hates all the proud people, and they will be punished one day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty. They will be humbled. The Lord has judgment planned for proud people. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This is where we get that phrase from, pride comes before the fall. It's actually from this passage in the Bible that uh, before pride uh, comes destruction, eventually there will be a fall for anyone who is proud. God opposes the proud. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Someone who is proud says they have no need for God because they think that they're the center of the universe so they don't need God's help. And these are just the tip of the iceberg talking about pride in the Bible. There are so many other Bible passages I could have showed you. There are so many other stories about people who are rich and powerful and think they're all that, who God eventually humbled. 
Um, if we look back to our first reading that we had, it was King Uzziah. Uh, he was a king when he was 16 years old, and he started off on the right track. He was serving the Lord with his kingdom. But eventually he started winning a couple battles, and he started making a name for himself, and his name spread throughout the entire nation. And then it says, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Uzziah thought he was so powerful and all that, and he became proud. So God cursed him with leprosy. And he had this gross skin disease until the day that he died. Now I know there isn't one Bible passage that says this sin is the worst. But if you ask me, doesn't it sound like pride is the worst sin in the Bible? And there is a reason for that. Because with pride, you have this idea that you're better than other people and that the world revolves around you. God, you're not the center of the universe. I'm the center of the universe. God, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. That's what pride says. That's what at the root of what pride thinks, is that you're better than God. And if you looked at the world around you, do you think you would see some pride? If you looked at the popular celebrities of today, the athletic athletes, the famous musicians, do you see people pursuing humility or pride? I don't think the world around us gives us that best example of humility, does it? And what about your own life? Does anyone work for an arrogant boss? Does anyone live at home with an arrogant spouse? No need to raise your hand on that one. Does anybody uh, go to school with arrogant classmates? Do you have any arrogant friends? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you've seen that in your own life. It's so easy to point out pride in someone else's life. But what about you? Have you seen pride in your own heart? Have you gone minutes, hours, days, not thinking about other people's interests, but only your own? Have you ever been so absorbed about getting credit for what you did and making sure that you get that compliment whenever you do anything right? Have you ever taken a picture, and after the picture comes out, you look immediately at how your face looks, and you don't really care how anyone else in the picture looks? Have you seen pride in your own heart? Pride is out there. It's in our own hearts. It's in the world. And that's why we need to talk about it. We need to talk about this problem with pride. And today we're going to do that by talking about finding joy and humility. Because for people that are humble, there is joy in this life. Imagine the joy between a husband and a wife if they're constantly not thinking about their own needs, but they're constantly dedicated to serving the needs of their spouse. Imagine the joy and humility at the workplace, where you have a boss that doesn't just treat you like a number, but he honestly cares about you and your opinions and your needs. Imagine the joy in this church, if every member came here with humility, not so focused on our own personal desires, not so focused on getting credit for the things that we did, but just living humbly out of thanks for Christ. Imagine the joy that comes with living in humility. And today we're going to talk about that joy by turning to Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
then make my joy complete. If you have any comfort, any joy in knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and he gives you the forgiveness of sins, then make my joy complete. So what the Apostle Paul is writing here is he's saying that I am so happy, I am so full of joy that you, Church of Philippian people, believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is so wonderful news. But now, make my joy complete. You can really make me happy if you start living lives of humility and unity within this church. Because the Apostle Paul knows that there's so much joy and humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This phrase, selfish ambition, uh, it's, a, it's a unique phrase. In the Greek, it often was used to describe like a dirty politician running a campaign. Uh, have, think about the last time you saw a political campaign. What do politicians normally do? They do everything they can to get their name out there. They put their name on billboards and TV ads and radio commercials and yard signs and so many to the point where so many people are like, I can't wait for this election to be over so I can stop hearing all these ads. But you know what else a dirty politician does? He tries to tear down his opponent. Whether it's true or not, he'll tell lies, he'll tell rumors, he'll uh, highlight all the bad things that his opponent does. And I think that picture of a political campaign is a great image of pride. Because Paul is saying here, do nothing out of selfish ambition. But what he's really saying is, don't live your life like a political campaign. Don't spend so much time trying to build up your own name and tear other people down. Don't live your whole life trying to make yourself famous or popular. As a Christian, you can't spend your time tearing down other people. That's what pride is, building up your own name and tearing others down so that you look better. Paul says, don't do that. Don't live your life with selfish ambition. Don't treat your life like a political campaign. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. A couple years ago, I worked at Lighthouse Youth Center. It was a youth center in downtown Milwaukee. And I spent a lot of time with teenagers, preteens. And uh, they did something ridiculous. They would often argue about the type of clothes that they wore, especially shoes. Because some of the kids, um, they had nice parents, and they bought them, like, really expensive, like the Air Jordan $100 shoes, you know what I'm talking about. And other parents didn't do that. For some of their kids, they bought, you know, the Walmart brand shoes, the cheap ones. And what was crazy was, I mean, it's bad enough to just brag about clothes in general. But what's so crazy for this age group is that you know none of them earned their own clothes. None of them bought the shoes with their own money. None of them had jobs. The only reason why they had the nice shoes was because their parents gave it to them. Their parents took their money and bought it for them. So to brag about how you have the nice things and your friend doesn't, so I'm going to tear that person down, it's ridiculous because they didn't earn it. And that's a picture of pride. Whatever you are tempted to be proud about, whatever you are tempted to boast about, I guarantee you it is something that you did not earn. But it is a gift from your father. 
so easy for people to brag about maybe like their body image and how pretty they look. But do you remember who gave you your body? And it's easy for people to brag about how much money they make or what a good job they have. And you might say, yeah, I worked hard to get there. But you worked hard using borrowed air and using borrowed lungs and using hands that God gave you. Whatever you have, whatever good gift that you have in this life, you can't boast over because God is the one who has given it to you. And that's why pride is so dangerous. Because at its root, it says, I did this myself, I don't need God. And when you have that attitude and apply it to your salvation, I got this myself, I'm pretty good, I try pretty hard, I don't need God. Can you see how dangerous that is? To tell God that you don't need him. To tell God that you did this all by yourself. That's why pride is such an ugly sin. That's why pride is so dangerous. But in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What we're about to see next in the upcoming verses is a large poem about Jesus Christ and his humility. And what I think is very interesting about this poem is that it shows us a glimpse into the mindset of Jesus Christ. Because when you read through the gospel narratives, the stories about Jesus Christ, you see a lot of actions, things that Jesus did, and you get to hear a lot of things that Jesus said and what he taught. But we never really get a glimpse into what was going through Jesus' mind. We never have any recorded thoughts of Jesus Christ in those stories. But here in this poem, we get to hear what Jesus thought about being the Savior. We get to hear Jesus' attitude about the whole process of becoming, coming to this world and dying the death of being a Savior for us. But what's really interesting is that the Holy Spirit didn't just give us these words so that we can go, wow, that's pretty awesome, God. Instead, he gave it to us so that would impact the relationships in our lives that we have. Because when Paul wrote this, he wrote this to a church um, in Philippi. And he knew these Philippians were real people who had jobs, who had bosses, who had friends, who lived in families. And he wrote down these words so that the mindset of Jesus Christ could impact their lives and they could live their lives treating others with humility around them. So are you ready to look at this poem? Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? This passage is stating here that Jesus is God. And let that soak in. Jesus is God. And if anyone could be proud, if anyone could use their power to boast and to brag, don't you think it could be God? Jesus, who created this world, created the universe, but he came down to this world, and he did not use his power to his own advantage. Like I said in the children's message, he never used uh, his power to make a million dollars or to make a name for himself in this world. Instead, he used his power by humbling himself and becoming a servant to serve other people. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus made himself nothing. He became a servant. Jesus came to this world as a man. This happened at Christmas. The God, the timeless God stepped into time. The God who was a spirit took on human flesh. And as a human, he came to this world to serve. Jesus healed the sick. He spent time with the hurting. He even washed his disciples' feet. Jesus was a servant by every form. And he proved that by dying a death on the cross. The most humiliating type of death that there was back then. Our God, who created trees, was nailed to a tree. Our God, who created iron, had iron stakes put through his hands and feet. Jesus became a servant so that one day you and I could be kings and queens in heaven. Jesus became a servant so that he could wash away all of our sins, get us a home in heaven. And so now that we know that, now that we know that message that our sins are forgiven in Jesus' name and that all of our sins of pride are forgiven, we are now told to live our lives with the same mindset of Jesus Christ who humbly gave himself for us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Since Jesus did this, since Jesus humbled himself, Jesus now has a name that is above every other name. And there are so many people out there that try and make a big name for themselves. They do everything they can to get glory and credit for whatever they're doing. They try so hard to be famous, but Jesus has a name above every other name. Jesus is more powerful than the powerful politician. Jesus is more famous than the most famous celebrity there is out there. Jesus has a name above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And we see here that everyone will acknowledge that Jesus' name is above every name. It might not happen right away. You might not see people in this world uh, honoring Jesus' name above all others. But eventually that, na- that day will come. When Jesus comes back on Judgment Day, every powerful person, every person, whether you are proud or humble, will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. So if you are newer to the church, or you're not exactly sure what to think about Jesus Christ yet, I pray that you believe this message, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because eventually, every single person will acknowledge that. And we have to be ready for that day. We have to be ready for that day to believe in Jesus Christ, where God will take us to heaven. Because those who are proud, those who don't acknowledge Jesus as their Lord, the Bible says are threatened with eternal punishment. But for people who believe in Jesus Christ, for those who know what he humbly did for us and died a death on the cross and rose again for the grave, we are promised the hope of eternal life. And that reminds me of the time when President Putin got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Back in 2005, the same year that the New England Patriots won a Super Bowl, uh, the leader of the organization, this is Robert Kraft, the, the owner of the Patriots, Uh, He went on a business trip to Russia, and he got to meet President Putin. And, you know, he heard that President Putin was a guy that was pretty big into sports, so he he thought, yeah, hey, maybe I should show him my Super Bowl ring that I won. 
So he took off his ring, gave it to President Putin, and you see him smiling there, looking at it like, wow, that's pretty nice. And you know what he did? Putin put it in his pocket. Say that five times fast. Putin put it in his pocket. And just like that, the security guards took President Putin away, and Robert Kraft was standing there without a Super Bowl ring. And, you know, maybe there was some language barrier, maybe there was something like that going on. But eventually, uh, when he got back home, uh, he talked about this, he reached out to the government and said, hey, is there any way I could get my ring back? And the U.S. government told him, in interest of U.S. and Russian relationships, let's just call this a gift, all right? Uh, so that's how uh, President Putin got a Super Bowl ring. And can you imagine that? Him walking around the Kremlin, President Putin being like, hey, who wants to hear about that time I won a Super Bowl? It'd be ridiculous. You know, he, he didn't win a Super Bowl, and no one would believe that he did. And that's a picture of pride. A picture of pride of taking credit for something that you didn't do. Taking credit for something that you didn't win. That's what pride is. And we saw how dangerous it is. We saw the Bible passages that talk about how we need to stay away from that ugly sin because we understand that everything in our life, every good blessing that we have, comes from Jesus Christ. And instead of living lives of pride, now let's have the same mindset of Jesus Christ and find joy by living in humility. And living in humility can be a hard thing to do. It might mean that you get passed over for a job promotion. It might mean that you don't make friends as quickly as others by living a life of humility. But there is so much joy in humility. There is so much joy in humility. Because your life isn't about your career. Your life isn't about the friendships in your life. Your life is about serving Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who humbly gave himself up for us and forgave us all of our sins of pride, he tells us to have the same mindset now of Jesus Christ and to find joy by living in humility. We do this all in his name. Amen. Please stand.